Hi, this is Ando from the Fight for a Happy Life podcast. You and I are listening to the wise words of Sifu T. W. Smith of Kung Fu Podcasts. Hey, this is T.W. Smith at Kung Fu Podcast, where we explore the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. And today, we're going to be looking at one primary style of Chinese martial arts called Bakwa Zhang. It's a book that was written in 1932 by Yin Yu and it was translated by Paul Brennan. I've taken the time to read through it and then to try to transform it for audio. The book is titled, A Concise Book of Bakwa Palming. It was supported by the Qingdao Martial Arts Institute, and whether you have been introduced to Bakwa Zheng before or not, today's episode will give you some interesting background about the art itself, as it was understood by this particular author almost a hundred years ago. Some time ago, Professor Ben Junkins wrote something in one of his essays that stuck with me, and it helped me change how I review literature. He said that oftentimes the most critical elements of understanding the context, the social environment, and the times lie in the preface and the forwards of a literary work. As I shared these, I have included all the critical elements and have also removed some of the redundancy across the author's works. The forward is written by Yin Shu Hong of Hubei. He writes, I previously studied the art of the five animal frolics. I would say that it can assist in preventing illness and is indeed a limbering art, but I did not find it very interesting. I later went to study abroad in Japan, where I trained in both jiu-jitsu and bayonet fighting. I sigh with admiration for the ability of those people to make themselves more heroic through their bushido, the way of the warrior which they possess in droves. I find it very strange that chivalry in our nation flourished just as strongly in ancient times, northerners and southerners each having their special strengths, surviving even though periods when such arts were banned. But nowadays, we are called the sick men of the East. When I returned from Japan, I increasingly compared our ways. I found that among the masses... There are experts of Chinese martial arts and wrestling who are able to dull the edge of Japanese instructors in challenge matches. It is hoped that what our forefathers passed down will reliably be carried forward by later generations. Hence, within this school, the Qingdao Martial Arts Institute, there is a course in the Bakwa Zheng art. People should have the chance to examine various arts and know their essentials. Martial arts knowledge in old times was often kept secret rather than taught, and so practitioners may encounter more gaps with each passing day. In order for the famous generals of history to win victories through use of weapons, their troops could not be expected to rely only on the skills that they were born with. But although the bibliographical records in the Book of Han mentions that there were many chapters of sword work, we will never be able to see what was in those lost texts. The author is going to continue on with some of the legends like Damo, Shaolin, Internal, and External, which he described as being very similar to Hu Tao's Five Frolic Art. Then he writes in 1932 
that different classifications continued to branch off until there were hundreds. And then as each style started to cherish its own air quote secrets, it became more difficult for the training to be passed down. And it began to be so corrupted that people who received training soon ended up weaker than when they started. Confucianists had their archery and their charioteering. Taoists had their limbering arts. Buddhists had their health-improving exercises. They all share this view. Do what is natural, and nature will not oppose you. Do what is unnatural, and nature will assert itself. These folks hope to give everyone the ability to become like a Yao or a Shun, a legendary sage emperor. But modern physical education has a different purpose in mind. Now, during the same time period, this developing challenge of physical education coming into the Chinese culture is highlighted well in the series Kung Fu Podcast number 196 through 199, titled From Warrior to Sportsman. The author continues by saying Bakwa has been flourishing in the northern provinces and has become a staple course of instruction. Only the three schools of Bakwa, Xingyi, and Tai Chi cultivate both the internal and external equally. Their names are derived from the Book of Changes, and they have the principles of hardness and softness, strength and yielding. They can reach the same goal via different paths. And so if the practitioner learns all three, the three schools will merge as a single art. For my own students, this is where we always have this conversation about how each course has its own path. And when I was learning, I struggled with that a lot. And so a lot of times what I would do is that when I was practicing Tai Chi, I literally would put on a shirt for Tai Chi. It was like putting on a jersey. When I practiced Bakwa, I had a different jersey for it. Because a path to learn how this style uses its principles and strategies, how does it handle oncoming forces? How do you use it to achieve a martial ends while at the same time finding its representation in nature? When I'm training the newer students, we train one and then we train the other. Just like if you go to calculus class, then a geometry class, if you want to be a mathematician, you don't go to one class where you learn them all together. You learn them separately. Even though they have overlapping operators, you have to put them in their different contexts and learn them that way until one day you become a mathematician and then you just interchange it. So I am a big supporter of learning each art separately and then learning how to mix it. Where does it apply itself? How are you supposed to use them? The author continues by saying, If our countrymen can awaken to these arts and devote themselves to them, our success can be assured. It is for this reason that the Qingdao Martial Arts Institute has produced a concise book of Bakwa Palming. I encourage you to examine it, for I commend their wish to share it with the world, and I hereby further extend their good extensions. This was the foreword written by Yin Shu Hong. In the preface, Hu Ra Yu wrote it in 1931, and he says, our nation's boxing arts began with ancient methods of striking and wrestling, then later continued to develop through the schools of Shaolin and Wudong. Though distinct schools, their aims of strengthening the body and defending against aggression are the same. 
Modern commentators have noticed that the physical strength of the citizenry of China is not up to the task of facing hard times. Hence the promotion of martial arts, which are a training for reversing frailty and eliminating weakness. The authors of this book, who are also members of the Qingdao Martial Arts Institute, have worked together to produce a concise book of Bakwa palming. With the manuscript now completed, they have asked me to provide a preface. I noticed immediately that this art does not use the fist at all, only the palm. It is called Bakwa, the eight trigrams, because it works the whole body with eight kinds of postures, analogous to each of the trigrams. As for his practice method, energy courses through the palm to generate great power. But it is said in the introduction of the book, that to train the palms it is first necessary to nurture energy in order to be able to use it with the right measure of expending and replenishing so that it is never used up. And then after a long time you will be able to deal with situations quite calmly, which are a useful set of maxims. The author continues by saying when we speak of the energy of the world, it is a matter of common sense between passive and active, between hardness and softness, between opening and closing, or between motion and stillness, there is always a movement of energy. Our place among the three realms, which are the sky, the earth, and man, is to reach for the sky and spread out across the ground. But if we can be good at nurturing our own energy so that we have more than enough, it can fill the universe and be transformative. Furthermore, as long as we do not allow it to leak away, it will prevent illness and prolong life. A trifling palm art is surely a minor tool for such work, but with sincere, thorough, and meticulous study moving energy to your palms with fluency, the results you gain will be just as grand. Those couple of paragraphs meant a lot to me in my younger years. Using up energy, learning how to nurture it, expand and replenish in a healthier manner. These were not taught in some esoteric manner. They were given to me in real exercises. But with the building of that energy, I found more productive ways through the course of time and some errors on how to use it. So as we return to the work, the author writes, If you go further, it will be, as Meng Zi said, Energy is the counterpart of justice and morality. Without it, your resolve will be weak. This is indeed the proper approach to nurturing energy. And the spirited cries of ordinary warriors do not even merit consideration next to it. Because of this, I claim that practicing this martial art reinforces the status of nurturing energy, hence my discussion of it. And I particularly hope that practitioners of it will also understand proper conduct, not engaging in the slandering of others, or using one's martial skill to break the law. Therefore, inwardly strengthen the body, outwardly oppose foreign aggression, and spread the trend of our heroic national identity. Students might otherwise rely on brute strength, bursts of anger, and fighting needlessly, but such corruptions are no way to attain the way. There are gentlemen in this world 
who ceaselessly work to improve themselves. And you should not treat these words as empty assertions. Again, that was written by Hu Rao Yu, December 1931. And now the last preface, but perhaps the most impactful. It was written by Wang Qingtong, August 10th, 1931. And he writes, All of the world's endeavors and ideas have a very special source. Simple depth of thought, meticulous research, and unstinting perseverance, from which the capacity for limitless progress is thereby assured. For instance, the Englishman James Watt invented the steam engine simply because of a revelation sparked by a chance event where he noticed a kettle boiling. He was able to think about it in such detail and inquire so deeply about it that later generations continued his efforts and steam was able to become a global demand. This was no fanciful achievement or some kind of triumph that came about through mere fortune. Ideas are the light of the lamp. Research is the key to the door. Perseverance is the mother of achievement. For ordinary people, no matter what undertaking they are involved in, they often get into its details but cannot maintain their enthusiasm. And then their commitment to the project fades away. Or, once they have had some experience of it, they then give up halfway. Or their minds cannot stay focused, for they are distracted and fickle. Wong continues by writing, On top of that, our nation is in the habit of sticking to old ways passed down unchanging from generation to generation. Whatever ancient people said or did, it was always right. And it is our place to only go along with it, not allowed to have even the slightest doubts or give any hint of criticism. This is the same attitude our nation has had toward science and is the major culprit for why we have not invented much and have had such little advancement in large-scale public endeavors. The beginning of martial arts is as old as the emergence of mankind itself. The era of primitive society was a time of barehanded fighting. Though we picture primitive people living in harmony with each other and with animals, they undeniably lived in the state of day-to-day struggle for survival. People in those days did not really understand the advantages of weapons. They were only aware of the strengths of their own bodies, and these primitive methods were the origin of barehanded fighting. However, humans are the most intelligent of all the creatures, and that is due to our thought, research, and perseverance. With further developments day after day, our methods of surviving have gradually improved. From barehanded fighting, we progressed to wooden weapons, then to stone weapons, then to bows and arrows. Now, we have armored tanks, submarines, machine guns, poison gas, and are developing all sorts of weaponry, such as new types of planes, battleships, death rays, electrified nets, new bombs, and artillery. The methods of the struggle for survival are changing every day, and so such weapons are created through the power of science as the need for them arise. However, 
To use these weapons, do we not need to be fit in mind and body? And for that, do we need a method of training? If we are seeking a method of training, there are the special skills of martial arts developed by the wisdom of previous generations, and they are an unparalleled means of training essence, energy, spirit, bone, and strength. We know that martial arts are a means of training the body for the struggle for survival, and this, of course, requires thought, research, perseverance, and ceaseless toil. Unfortunately, our society was affected by the trend of shunning martial qualities in favor of civil qualities, failing to appreciate the valuable substance of martial arts. Since cities tend to be centers for the more civil qualities, martial arts were not as easy to find there, and it was only in the likes of obscure villages or mountain temples that one could happen upon any sample of them. In such circumstances, the fate of these arts was precarious, barely able to be preserved, much less recorded in writing, and so there was no way to examine their profound principles, and then hardly even a memory of those arts being there at all. Therefore, the crude and uncultured people got their martial arts knowledge from novels, full of invention and superstition that dull the mind. Continuing along those lines for a long time, it is not surprising that martial arts were not given any importance by society and were in fact just unjustly prohibited, causing people to forget that these arts have been intimately connected to the survival of the Chinese nation itself until eventually they were talked of by ignorant people as if discussing some nonsensical magic. Those days can be regarded as a rather inauspicious period for martial arts. But now, enthusiasm to promote martial arts resounds throughout the nation. Absurd stories are being entirely discarded. Divisions between styles are given away to integrations, and the profound concepts of martial arts are being revealed one after another. These arts are advancing in every region. Everyone carrying out the work to establish them there, and authors are making specialized books so that students will no longer feel cut off from the study as if there were mountains and rivers blocking their way, or intimidated by the training as if they were looking at the ocean and sighing at the scale of it. All that is needed is the ambition to learn, and then they will be able to follow along with the instructions. Because of this, the future for martial arts can expand further each day, and many people, by the way of thought, research, and perseverance, will gradually achieve unprecedented results. The mission of our Qingdao Martial Arts Institute is likewise to strengthen the masses and rescue the nation, cherishing the hope that the whole populace may be transformed by martial arts. We wanted to take what we have learned from our research and have it written into a small book to contribute to society, thereby providing our comrades who are enthusiastic about martial arts with reference material for their training. This small book may be somewhat crude, but the author has shown extra boldness 
and producing it by cordially inviting martial arts experts to discuss its flaws, even to the point of giving it insulting criticisms, in order that his small efforts may bring about a large benefit, just as when we toss out a brick to draw forth the jade. The motivation for producing this book of Bakwa Palming is not to proclaim in any way that this art is superior to any other. But because this art happens to have the capacity to regulate the breath and has the effect of keeping energy from floating up, it exclusively uses palms because they adapt quicker than clenched fists. And every action is surrounded with deep principles. The first step in this work is to make a simple presentation of the art. Then later, the author will also present the theories of other arts and weaponry, as in Yen's 1933 book of saber training. It ought to be better clarified for you what the name Bakwa Palming signifies. But as the author has not made a proper study of the divination text of linking mountains, returning to storage, and the Book of Changes, which are the source texts for the eight trigrams, he does not presume to mix in any ununiformed ideas that he may have. Nowadays, all theories are given over to scientific investigation. And so the author has not engaged in recklessly interpreting the eight trigrams, seeking only to make a straightforward presentation of the Bakwa Zhang art. That was written August 10th, 1931. And that was an excellent point by Wang Qingtong, as you are going to hear the author resonate a simple point. He is not trying to bend the martial art training manual into a philosophical cookbook that was done by other authors of the similar time period. They will use the eight trigrams as a way to catalog the art, not as a complex way to interpret it. I have had this conversation with others in other styles of Chinese martial arts, like Xing Yi as well, when they get into the five elements. Those are the prefaces and the forwards of the concise book of Bakwa Palming, written in 1932. Now, for the members, I'm going to have a continuation of the book with the author and can probably have another hour's worth of work in that. This is a wonderful introduction to the Bakwa Zhang martial art and some ideas as it was being interpreted almost 100 years ago in the late 1920s and the early 1930s. I hope you have a great practice today. Get out there, put in some sweat equity, and I look forward to talking with you again real soon.